Hello, everyone, and welcome to LocalJobNetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Jenna Konar, and you're listening to Moving Up the Ladder, where the success of your career is our focus. Today, we're taking a closer look at the idea of an employee becoming a trusted advisor to their manager. So what are some ways that you can become a trusted advisor to your supervisor, and how can this benefit your career in the long run? To learn more about this topic, I'm speaking today with Dr. Matt Carter, who is the founder and managing director of Message House, a communications consultancy based in London. He's also the author of the article, How to Become a Trusted Advisor, which is the topic of our discussion today. Thanks so much for joining me today, Matt. No problem. It's my pleasure. So in your article that we're discussing today, you mentioned toward the beginning the book, Consigneri. Leading from the shadows, consigneri being the Italian word for advisor or counselor. So, I wanted to go through the four different roles of the trusted advisor in the workplace. Those are the lodestone, the educator, the anchor, and the deliverer. So, for our listeners who are brand new to this topic, could you briefly explain those four roles? Yeah, sure. So, I think it's interesting. You know, the idea of a trusted advisor is somebody who can become intimate and really dedicated as a support for the the manager or the leader in in the workplace. But there's different ways that you can do that. Not all trusted advisors do this in the same way. The lodestone you mentioned, and this is a sort of interesting term, actually dates back to Old English, I think. It's really an expression meaning the leading stone or the stone that points the way. And this is really somebody who's acting as a, a sort of map or a a sort of pointer to the leader in the direction that they want to take. In my sort of modern metaphors, this is the golf caddy. This is the person who is there to sort of tell the golfer just how far they have to go, to help them choose the club, to make sure they're pointing in the right direction. But then really, they're just standing back and, and watching. So the lodestone is really about giving direction, but not necessarily sort of constant and interactive instruction. The educator, however, is, is a little bit more about the wisdom of someone who's already walked the path. So if you imagine your manager has in their team somebody who's actually been a manager themselves, has done some of the things that the manager is having to deal with. That is the educator, a bit like a, a Sherpa in the Himalayas. This is somebody who's giving advice on where you should go because they've been walking those paths since their youth and they know exactly what is around the next corner. So a really useful person for a a manager to have in their team. The third one is the anchor. And this is a really tough one, I'd say, because, you know, sometimes managers, and and particularly if you get up to the senior managers and the leaders, they get a little bit divorced from what everyone else is having to deal with. Mm -hmm. And the anchor is about rooting them to reality. It's about making sure somebody is giving them honest feedback about what everyone else is thinking, and indeed a little bit about what everyone else is thinking about them. So this takes someone being a bit confident and being able to speak truth to power, as they say. And finally, the deliverer. I mean, the deliverer is is key because this is someone who actually can truly understand what the manager needs done, is able to act as a proxy for the manager in meetings because they know that agenda so well. And they're definitely someone that will help to drive the team to achieve results, putting out fires and dealing with obstacles on the way. So Trusted advisor requires different sorts of skills and actually could be any one of these four components that would make a really good trusted advisor. And it sounds like there's almost uh, a different level. The lodestone is maybe the first level. 
going up to the deliverer, which is someone who has an even deeper understanding of how to be an advisor. Is it common for people to have all of these qualities or is it usually that you're just one type? Well, I think it's a good question. You, you know, I do think that there is a possibility of having a combination and maybe a combination of most or all of them, but okay. some do feel a little bit exclusive. So the educator requires the wisdom of someone who's already done the role or already has the experience. The lodestone is, is a little bit more of someone who's giving guidance and pointing, but maybe less interactive. But I think most of them could be combined with the deliverer. I think the deliverer is somebody who is, you know, we all know them in the teams that we've worked in. And would you say that people are naturally born with these type of qualities? Some of these things sound like they would come naturally to some people, while others might feel really uncomfortable. So would you say that these are things that you're born with, or maybe that you develop them as you develop as a professional? Well, clearly we have some qualities in our personality that will lend more to some of these roles in, in being a trusted advisor. But I would say most of these qualities are things that we can work on ourselves, we can develop, and some of them come through our own experience too. So this is definitely not something that if, if you don't feel like you've done this in the past, you could never do it. I definitely feel like these are things that you could understand more about and develop your qualities in these areas. They definitely don't feel that they're innate. So we know that this maybe isn't the right fit for everyone to be a trusted advisor to their supervisor, but for someone who is an advisor or who is thinking that this is something they would like to develop, I wanted to go through the three different tactics that you had mentioned in your article about how you can become that trusted advisor to your manager. The first one that you had listed was suspend your agenda. Employees that are trying to prove their own worth, they might be tempted to share their ideas with their managers, but this could actually be something that might work against their favor. Why would you say that that's so? Well, this is interesting. So, so look, in some contexts, no doubt it's a good idea to, to remind your boss how smart you are and mm-hmm. to keep in mind that you know, you're doing good work. I'm definitely not saying you shouldn't do that. Being a trusted advisor as we've just talked about with the deliverer, it means really understanding the the agenda that your manager has. And if you only ever spend your time with your manager talking about you, how will you ever get to really understand what's going on in their mind? So suspending your agenda is not about saying, you know, hiding your skills. It's about saying, spending time with your manager, listening and asking questions as well as telling them how marvelous everything you're doing is. It is, just reminds me, I mean, sometimes we've all seen this in the workplace. We'll, we'll go in on a Monday morning and somebody will ask us how the weekend has gone. Mm-hmm. And you may give a sort of short reply. And before you've had a chance to elaborate, they'll, they'll come in and tell you how marvelous their weekend was. And actually that they'd just done some amazing things and they'd been to the beach and it was just amazing. And as you're listening, you come to realize that they only really asked the question because they wanted to tell you how brilliant their weekend was and that they weren't ever really interested in your answer. Suspending your agenda is about not doing that. It's about not waiting all the time just to to get your point of view across. It's actually genuinely trying to understand what is the perspective of the other person that's sat opposite you. So when you're working through this with your manager, how would this look practically? Would you be asking them more questions about what their needs are? How would you do this without seeming too intrusive, but to do it in a professional way to show that you do care about their needs? Yeah, well, it's, it's quite straightforward, isn't it? I mean, I think you ask questions and you ask open questions. So how's your day going? 
what's been going on this week? Uh, how are things been in the new role that you have? You know, just asking questions, exploring what's going on in there situation. And, and over time, obviously, this is not one conversation, but over many conversations, developing an understanding and an insight about what's going on in their world. In the end, what you're really trying to get to is what's keeping them awake at night. What's the agenda and the issue that's really troubling them? If you can get to that insight, you then have something that's really useful in being able to, to use in providing them with better support. So once you've kind of developed that basis of maybe your manager is trusting you more, you're more aware of their needs, another step that you could take that you mentioned in your article is speak truth to power. And this kind of ties back to the anchor, as we talked about before, the person who gives the honest feedback. But many employees are afraid to speak the truth to their manager. Why would you say that this can be valuable, though? If you've ever been in the situation of providing a management role or indeed a, a leader role, it's quite often a really lonely job. You're responsible for lots of things. There's a big burden on your shoulders. And quite often, the people that you work with tend to give you very vanilla feedback. It tends to be very bland. No one ever really says anything that they really think. It tends to be generally quite positive, but not honestly positive. So you never know whether people are actually speaking the truth. Speaking truth to power is not just about telling people how bad everything is. And that's quite a, a sort of provocative route, sometimes necessary. But it's also about being honest about what's going on and making sure that you're comfortable on those occasions that, that you need to, to express something that is vital, your boss understands or your manager understands if they're going to get done what they need to. So, you know, in a very practical way, I mean, this could begin, I often see this in the workplace with very small things about the way that people are presenting themselves. So your boss has their jacket collar turned up or somebody has you know, some item of clothing which isn't quite right. Sometimes it takes ages for their colleagues to tell them, actually, you, know, you just need to uh, you know, address how you're looking. It's quite an awkward moment, mm -hmm. but it's, it's far less awkward than if the boss has just gone in and done a big meeting looking like that and then comes out and, and wonders why no one told them. So very simple things like that show your boss that you're comfortable even when it's a little bit awkward in giving them support that's helpful. Obviously, over time, that can take on a greater significance in terms of the way that they're planning their strategies and thinking about what they need to do in their role, making sure that you're keeping them on track and avoiding some of the pitfalls that they may not see because of the role that they play. And we know that, as you mentioned, it could be a little bit of an awkward situation. But are there any times when you simply don't want to speak the truth in a professional manager to your employer? Well, it's not so much not speaking the truth. It's about the sort of timing of it. Okay. Clearly, you're not always at the right moment to give this feedback. It may be that your boss is not open to it in that moment. They may be distracted with something else. They may have other priorities. You know, imagine your boss has just done a big presentation to the office. It may be immediately afterwards, it's quite common that they'll want feedback and they could be open for a few minutes to just getting a little bit of a download. It's finding the right moment. It's also giving them feedback in a constructive and emotional as well as rational sense. In other words, this isn't just saying point three was great, point four was terrible, point six you forgot. You've got to think about the emotion of this. This is something that they've obviously invested a lot of time in. They may be feeling quite tense and worked up. So you've got to give feedback in a way that they will respond to in a positive sense. And of course, it, you have to build this relationship over time. If you've never really developed a strong relationship with your boss and the first time you get the opportunity, uh, you walk into their office and 
just tell them how terrible their speech was. <laughs> it's not going to go down so well. So you have to, to do this carefully. But in the end, if you're brave and overcome your fear, most bosses will respect you for that. And that is a, a big step on the road to being a trusted advisor. So when you're developing this strong relationship with your employer, of course, one of those things, as you had kind of mentioned, was that you need to build intimacy with your manager. So what are some tips that you could offer our listeners for building that professional intimacy with their managers? Yeah, and that's, that's a t- it's an important quality. And, and again, let's just be clear, we're talking about a professional context mm-hmm. here. So the word intimacy may bring to mind other things, but yeah. we're talking about getting to know somebody that you work closely with. And that definitely involves spending time with them in the workplace, listening to them, understanding how they think and how they talk, maybe reading some profiles of them, or if they've done sort of speeches or written things, you know, really doing your homework on them. But I would say it also involves understanding what they do when they're not in the office. We only see a small fraction of our of each other in a professional context. And, and sometimes we actually know very little about what happens to our colleagues when they leave mm-hmm. at the end of the week. So just think about your current boss. Would it change how you felt about them if you knew that when they leave for, for the weekend that they're going to spend all the weekend skydiving? I mean, that's not usually what they do. But if they did do that, you might think that they were a little bit of a different person to the one that you had been thinking about before. So understanding what, what they do to relax, what, what they do with their spare time, what they care about, what are their passions? These are all things that are very relevant in terms of building a full sense of what motivates them and what, and what they're really driving at as a person. And when you're learning about these things, of course, it's going to take a while to get to know your manager, just as it does in any relationship to get to know someone. You had also mentioned in your article that you need to be prepared to commit for the long term as far as if you are interested in becoming that advisor to your manager. So what would you say in general is the length of time that it would take for an employee to move into this trusted advisor stage? Well, trusted advisors are quite often people who work with the same people for you know, a long time. In fact, sometimes their entire working life. If you connect with your boss as a trusted advisor, it may be when they move, you move with them. It's very common. But that doesn't mean it needs to take your working life to get to that level. It's mm. it's difficult to be sort of precise about it, but it could be established quite quickly, you know, in six, nine months, maybe a year. But the best way to establish this relationship, or at least the quickest way, is actually to go through a crisis together or to go through an issue together. That's often one of the places where these relationships are best forged. Because when you are really put to the test, that's a, that's a chance for your manager to see exactly where your loyalties are and exactly how committed you are to them and how your judgment works in that moment when it's quite stressful and quite difficult. So if you go through a crisis and you both come out of this trusting each other, that's often the beginnings of a long-term trusted advisor relationship. And you also mentioned at the close of your article, I found this to be really interesting, is that some of the best advisors may not actually become leaders themselves. Why would you say that this is? Well, it is interesting, isn't it? And I'd say it's, it's not because most of those advisors can't be leaders. I mean, some do go on to be leaders. It's maybe for two reasons. One, because some of them genuinely prefer to be the advisor, mm-hmm. prefer to be in the shadows. They felt a little bit of what it's like in the limelight and they prefer to be standing at the back, um, giving the quiet counsel. 
But the other reason is actually by being a trusted advisor to a, a manager or to a leader, particularly at the, the senior level, to get to that level, you really have to be trusted that you're not actually after their job. If your boss thought that all the advice that you were giving them was simply based on the fact that you really want them out of the way so that you can do the job, they're very unlikely to listen to you. So being a trusted advisor actually quite often requires you not to be seen as a threat um, to your, you, you know, the person you're giving the advice to. Sometimes that means that trusted advisors actually have to be happy seeing their success in delivering success through the, through the eyes and the work of the person they're supporting. So we're actually running a little bit short on time, but I wanted to give you the floor at the end here just to wrap us up with if there's any final words of advice you have for our listeners on this topic. Maybe they're interested in developing their advising skills in the workplace, or maybe they've recognized these, these qualities in, in themselves already. What final message would you like to give to those people? Well, I would say being a trusted advisor is is a tremendously rewarding role to play in the workplace. You're actually making yourself quite often the most valuable and powerful person in the support team of your boss. I mean, what a, you know, what a fantastic place to be located. They're going to depend on you and they'll probably depend on you when they move their jobs too. It's a potential to transform your career, but we shouldn't underestimate what it takes to. It actually demands a lot from you, demands a lot in terms of loyalty, in terms of dedication, and to some extent, a selflessness. You know, sometimes in the end, you have to promote the relationship rather than putting yourself forward. And that's sometimes means that you have to seek your satisfaction through the success of others. That's not necessarily something for everyone. People need to think carefully before they embark on trying to be a trusted advisor. And with that final message, we will wrap up the show today. You've been listening to Moving Up the Ladder with our guest, Dr. Matt Carter of Message House. Thank you again for joining me today, Matt. Been my pleasure. And for those of you listening, please send us your feedback and suggestions by emailing ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Or you can interact with us on Twitter under at the LJN. For everyone at LJN Radio, I'm Jenna Konar, and thanks for joining us.